Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to another episode of The Good, The Bag, and The Hungry Heat Check, presented by the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I am your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, is Fred. Tyler, can you hear me? Moreland, as we dealt with some audio issues this morning. Fred, how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right, getting over a head cold, so uh, I'm you know trying not to bring back like vintage Dave Meltzer uh, <laughs> coughing for you know eight weeks, hopefully, but... Yeah, I uh, I spent most of this week on my ass, which is uh, less pleasurable than you might hope for, but doing all right. All right is good, and we're going to start off this morning by uh, sending all of our best wishes and condolences to everybody who knew the legendary Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, who both tragically passed away this week. Terry Funk was 79, and Bray Wyatt was unfortunately 36. Um, we send all of our best wishes to both of them. And if you want a really great retrospective, especially on Terry Funk, the guys at the flagship podcast on this same podcast network spent nearly two hours discussing the life and career of Terry Funk. And it's not something you're going to want to miss. Yeah. I was able to listen to a little bit of that and it was really good. Um, yeah. Terry Funk was, uh, mostly before my time. Um, I remember his uh, little bit of a run in WWF uh, in the Monday Night Wars era as uh, Chainsaw Charlie, which is still one of the most baffling things ever. That chainsaw, um, that, or, sorry, that dumpster match at WrestleMania was really fun. Yeah, yeah, and like he had a really good like Falls Count Anywhere match with Foley on a random brawl, I think, too, in the build up to that. Um, but, you know, like, I was just a stupid kid. I hadn't really heard of Terry Funk before because I didn't really come from a wrestling, you know, family or anything. Like, uh, had anyone, uh, any other fans to rely on there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was just, if you, any clip you watch of him going back, um, he was just absolutely amazing. And I can't really properly eulogize him, but I can say that I've enjoyed literally everything I've ever seen him do. And uh, just an absolute all-timer. Um, and also uh, really good in Roadhouse, too. <laughs> um, one of my all-time favorite fun movies. And uh, he just did a fantastic job and a bit part in that. Uh, but it's a damn shame. Uh, all kinds of wonderful things are said about him. And then we just got the absolutely heartbreaking news about uh, Wyndham Rotundo. Uh, of course, Bray Wyatt um, passing suddenly at the age of 36, which is entirely too young. 
no matter what. So, you know, I mean, under any circumstances. Um, and uh, basically he had, uh, he contracted COVID, I think, around the start of the year and had a very serious case of it. And it exacerbated some pre-existing uh, cardiac issues he had. And it appeared he was on the road to recovery. There were talks of it, like actually planning for his return to the ring in the next month or two, I think. And uh, he's, you know, uh, Sean Ross Sapp shared with the permission of the family that um, he basically had a heart attack yesterday. Uh, recording, we're recording this on the 25th of August. And uh, he had a heart attack and passed away suddenly. And um, terrifying stuff. Um, really sad. Fred, he wasn't just supposed to come back in a couple weeks. He was supposed to come back tomorrow, August 26th. Oh, really? I actually had not seen that, so that's that's wild to see uh, or hear. Um, but yeah, don't mess with COVID. That's scary stuff. Um, and uh, but just heartbreaking. You know, he actually, um, when I came back, I wasn't like a giant mark for him or anything, but when I did come back to uh being a wrestling fan because i had stopped watching around 98 99 um as a kid and uh i kind of kept following it from about 03 on but didn't watch it regularly until the the big brian daniel well daniel bryan obviously was the name he was using at the time run up to mania 30 and that's why you can blame that on my presence on anything to do with wrestling these days. Uh, sorry. Um, but of course, Bray Wyatt was about, I think at the peak of his, uh, of what interested me about him, what as the filthy swamp wizard kind of gimmick he had going on. Um, and like, that was my favorite iteration of him was just the dirty, uh, you know, cult leader from, uh, Louisiana kind of gimmick. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, Vince McMahon did an awful job with him in that setting. And I think uh, Bray had some health issues, like specifically like a, a foot issue, I think, uh, that affected his in-ring ability. And there was never really clear creative form um, for him to have a good storyline. And he later had, when I basically checked out at WWE, he had success as the fiend, and I wasn't really a big fan of that. But obviously, he had a lot of talent, and uh, you know, had some unique ideas about wrestling. Which you know, you always wonder how those would have worked under different circumstances. Um, it's hard to say, um, but I just a really unique and talented guy, and uh, it really sucks, and uh, just really sad news. Yeah, I know uh, recently there's been a lot of people really down on his work because of what his gimmick had become, where he be he went from that cult leader, which honestly was tremendous, and he was so good in that role, to basically like a, a swamp wizard. And to me, that's that doesn't really have much of a place in wrestling, like, like magic and stuff. Uh, you can get away with stuff with a little bit, I guess, but when it becomes your gimmick, nah, like as dumb as it was, like when the undertaker would have like lightning bolts come down from the rafters, that was kind of cool. Once twice, three times because like becoming a regular thing. Nah, it's no, like that's, that's not pro wrestling. We're, we're missing the plot at that point. And it's, I, I feel so, bad for the wrestler that he never really got a chance at, at redeeming that 
And obviously, from a human perspective, losing your life at the age of 36 due to no fault of your own is tragic. And he leaves behind, I believe it was four kids and a loving wife and just awful, awful on every level. But if you want more retrospect on those two and their careers, highly recommend you go listen to the flagship because we have the biggest wrestling show in the world, in the history of the world to preview here this afternoon. And we're going to start off with some news. Obviously we already talked about it, but let's jump into the card. AR Fox and Ray Phoenix um, are, have been removed from all in and they're, they're different reasons. Ray Phoenix missing all in doing to try to establish residency in the U S and AR Fox, according to Brian Alvarez from Wrestling Observer Radio, there's heat on him because AEW found out last minute that he couldn't make the show. And he hasn't wrestled outside the U.S. per cage match since 2016. Fred, this sounds like a fireable offense. Yeah, you got to wonder what exactly is going on here. If, um, you know, if he had some kind of. Um, Legal issue. I couldn't really find any record of that online. Um, but, you know, if he has some kind of legal reason, he can't go into the UK. Um, you know, what's particularly odd is not only did he not work the Canada stretch that AEW had earlier this year, I can't really find a record of him ever working Canada, um, which seems kind of unusual for a guy of his stature and length. You on, know what that uh, sounds like to me? The Indies. DUI. It could yeah, be. You can't, um, if you get a DUI, you don't get to go to Canada. Yeah. Um, it might be. I, you know, I was able to find an arrest from over a decade ago for uh, possession of marijuana uh, that there's some vague records of online under his uh, his shoot name. Um, and the, the mugshot appears to uh, to match, but... I mean, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's very odd. We don't know what's going on exactly, and uh, you know, we'll possibly find out at some point. Um, we'll see. Uh, I imagine this will probably be something that'll take a little time to uh, come out exactly what why he can't make it, but it's really bad that he can't because. Uh, you know, with him, he um, it's kind of a, I mean, not that he isn't good. I don't want to make it sound like that. But we actually had a discussion when they started this angle with Swerve Strickland about how I was, you know, kind of thinking that he's a, a good worker. But I don't know what his, uh, you know, ceiling is in the company other than like solid mid-carter. Like I, I compared him to Matt Seidel. And um and then they turned him heel and looked like they were doing something with him. And he seemed to be doing really well in that role. Um, but, you know, here we are. And uh, I, there's got to be more information coming out at some point in the near future over it. But it's just not, uh, it's not good. And uh, if he misled about, you know, misled AEW about his ability to travel to uh, the UK or other places, then that's a uh, that's not good, and I think they'd be pretty justified in um, 
and dropping him if they wanted to, if that was the case. But it's very odd because like this storyline just got completely blown up this week on, on Dynamite. Um, you know, it wasn't even like, oh, it's a one week in- injury angle. We'll bring this back at, you know, in Chicago at all out. It's, you know, oh, he's not a heel anymore. He's a baby face now. Uh, it's completely done. And that's a shame because I thought this was one of the best angles, if not the best angle going on in, or storyline, I should say, in AEW. The, him going to Nick Wayne's house and almost killing him. And yeah. then Nick Wayne's mom sitting front row and throwing the bloody t- like like tank top at her. To- Great stuff. Yeah. That was tremendous. And it you just get the sense that this company is going from a long-term build company to a week-to-week company and that's it's quite a shame. I, I wanted to talk about that with you. Um and, and let me know when if like this isn't the right time to bring that up, but I have some uh and I, I got some some thoughts about this build. And, it's always uh, a good time to talk about Tony Khan's booking. That's a lot of what this show's been about. We have had a lot of criticisms about him. Yeah. I, I don't know if you want me to do it now, but I can launch into it now uh, if let's, you want. Hey, let's do it. Let's have some fun. All right. Let's do it. Um, I am pretty damn worried about uh, the direction of this company. Um, he is... Uh, you know, we, we when when this company started out, we had like these really thought out, well done angles for, you know, literally months and months, if not years, setting stuff up. And, you know, whether it be like the Hangman page, Kenny Omega storyline or MJF, Cody Rhodes or Cody Rhodes, Darby Allen is a good one that uh, Joe Lanza talked about previously. Um you know, it's just like, what are we, you know, we, we don't have that anymore. It's just very much uh, some stuff's going to happen this week and it'll be connected next week. It's not full blown like the worst of Vince McMahon's, uh, you know, no planning booking, but it's getting closer than I would be comfortable with, I got to say. And that's not good. Um, like they really gotta tighten some stuff up here. Um, their but, yeah. longest running story that's gonna get a payoff is Billy Gunn, and it's it's not an insult to Billy Gunn. The dude's just fifty eight, and you have all these wrestlers. Like, yeah, it's such a talented roster. Does Tony Khan not have full control of his booking anymore? And I want to preface this because we know Tony Khan is the final decision maker. But that doesn't mean he has control. Like, You can still be like, yes, this is the decision that I'm making. But that doesn't mean like you feel like you are in control. And I think that's that's a big difference here. Okay. Um... Oh, I think I, oh, I may have just found something about AR Fox that may have something to do with it. So live on air. So this is from a, a March 5th, 2012 Wrestling Observer newsletter. And it's talking about how AR Fox was trying to go into the 16 karat gold tournament that WXW runs in Germany. Um, and he went to the UK first this week. This is what Dave wrote. And was sent back home because he came in without a working visa. He tried to get in on a tourist visa, which a lot of indie groups do. But he got mad when they found out he was coming as a tourist, but only had $20 on him and was traveling with wrestling gear. 
So I, I wonder if that, you know, if that has any impact here. Um, it's a possibility, I guess, but I don't know enough about, you know, uh, visa law. But I, you know, that's one thing to think about possibly. Um, you remember Speedball, how he got caught yeah. working without a visa and then he got banned from the U.S. for five years? Yeah, and uh, it didn't ruin his career, but it really kept him from being a bigger star for quite a while. Um, I think maybe it worked out for him long term because those reps in DDT really helped him out. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I mean, he uh, that's a great example of it because he was doing really well in PWG, I think, back uh Oh, goodness. Was that 2016, 2015? I think was when his big run was and getting a pretty big push there. And uh, then he just kind of disappeared. And I wasn't plugged in enough to really know what was going on at that point. But it was 100% because he uh, tried to do that with the United States. Uh, So, you know, granted, it's been quite a long time since this happened. But you got to wonder, you know. Uh, but going back to the the booking concerns, um, man, I, I just the vibes on this company right now feel very different from what they did in 2019, 2020. Uh, and, and yeah, there's, you know, there's early days. They didn't have the best roster. They had talent for sure. They don't, don't get me wrong. But like, you know, they had some like they, they used Brandon Cutler a little bit as a serious wrestler and uh, not like an outright comedy figure like he is now. And you know, I think that just speaks a lot to it. Um and, uh, you know, nowadays, Brandon Cutler just doesn't have the talent to, like, get that kind of uh, push or featured spot. As I watch Tyler try to pull uh, the cord for his headphones out of his dog's mouth. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. The, the, the booking feels very sloppy. And there's been a lot of noise this year about, oh, we're bringing in Will Washington to help uh, keep things cleaner. We're bringing in all these guys to... You know, it, it feels like they brought in like thirty guys to help out with uh, with with keeping the place running, you know, neater and uh, more planned. And it just feels like it's getting worse and worse. And I don't know what the deal is, but it feels like it just, you know, we've gone from Taz calling in WWE a sloppy shop in that promo way early on to AEW coming across as far more of a sloppy shop. You know, we got people being booked for shows in England that they can't go to, apparently, uh, for one reason or another. And um, it's just very unorganized, it feels like. And it's coming through. And, you know, it's. I'm not worried about the... Um, I'm not worried about the quality of this upcoming show because I think AEW always delivers on its pay-per-views. And the roster is so good now that they can overcome mediocre booking. But I am worried about, in general, the long-term direction of this company and if its booking is going to get any neater. And back to even you know close to those standards of the early days of like having a long-term plan. Because I don't know that we have a long-term plan right now. It feels like so much is up in the air and, uh, you know, so many different people apparently having some kind of pull on things and diverting the plans. And it does not have the feel of like the vision of one guy. And, you know, I don't know if it's Tony Khan taking a step back or what, but it needs addressed, you know, and maybe Tony Khan's lost his fastball. I don't think that's out of the question. Yeah, I will say this. 
feels like, and we could be completely off base here. The Ray Phoenix one feels like that they thought they were going to be able to get him a visa and yeah. they just realized that it just wasn't going to happen and it happened to be last second. That to but, me feels like the case rather than them knowing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, the, what I read was that Ray Phoenix is trying to establish residency in the U.S. so he can become a citizen. And to do that, you can't leave the country for a while. So he's stuck in the U.S. as long as he wants to pursue that. Uh, until he gets it, and um, I don't know how recently he started that, if there was a miscommunication with that, but, you know, I think that's a very different situation from what it appears Air Fox is, you know, handling. Yeah. The Fox thing feels really, really different, because it, you don't just, you make up an excuse or do an injury angle if he just can't leave, and you don't right. completely flip a, an angle that was Getting over. Yeah. That was working really well, frankly. Um, it's it's I, just another example why we are worried about the direction of this company because like, Tony Khan's booking has always been inconsistent. And yeah. there's been so many bright spots, especially early on, that I think people overlooked some of the other stuff. And it's something we haven't done. We've been like, what are you doing? Why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. And now you're seeing him backtrack why in the world is blackpool combat club five guys now why didn't they just say find a sixth we're not going to give up our sixth that yeah. doesn't make sense either yeah that was a that was an odd one when they were just like yeah, it's five on five and it's like but a week ago it was six on six you know and i know that you know you're writing out ray but you know considering the roster they have and like you got all these big names you know i i know that uh you and uh, wrote for the site um, about how Andy Sakura should get her moment on Wembley, and like, yeah, it'd be nice if she did. But we've got guys like Ricky Starks that aren't even getting the shot. You know, it's it's wild some of the names getting left off of here. You know, ignoring like Brian Danielson for injury and all that, and it's kind of like, you know, we can't. You know, as I, I'm sh- kind of surprised that the Tony Khan given all his resources and everything isn't and, and given his general reputation is like a happy backstage, you know, someone that likes to treat his wrestlers well, that he wouldn't do like a, a battle Royal, you know, just to get 20 guys on the show. Uh, we have one women's match on here that was built to horribly. Um, one of the most afterthought matches I've ever seen where they tried Look, I know that pro wrestling that that promoting, especially in pro wrestling, it's to some degree, you know, built on lies because it's all work and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And even if something stinks, you like to go back to it years later. And you know, if it can play into a storyline, you can try to sell that it was better than it was. You do that, right? That that all makes perfect sense. Pretending that a four way match between women by citing like all these utterly forgettable and really not very good matches that have happened previously. Like these matches that are solidly in like the the two to two and a half star range, and being like this is part of the history of AEW and we're bringing it back, like it's some big deal. Um, honestly, you know the the stakes are kind of like this, but they also aren't kind of like this. But you remember that one Undertaker WrestleMania match that they set up by having four dudes do a, a four way match on a random brawl like a month ahead of time. What 
Which mania was that? Was that was that the CM Punk match? Was that actually how they started that storyline? It might have been the CM Punk match. Um, I, I think it was, and it was just like, you know, this is this is your slam dunk, you know, big match of the year. Like, even if your world title feuds are flopping, you've got this great fallback of the Undertaker streak match. You can always pull out at this point in time. And they were just like, oh, I guess we'll do a four-way match to see who has the honor. And and I think, you know, the reporting was someone got fired at that point in time for doing such a bad job of setting it up. And, and here we are in AEW, and we have one women's match on there. And uh, we it's set up by a mini tournament directly after doing two Owen Hart tournaments um, to get spots in the field. You have your... World champion having to win a match to get in while the woman she just beat is already locked into the field. I don't know. Like, it's just frankly bizarre that that whole storyline. And I'm using storyline very loosely there because there's hardly a story to it. Um, and you could do interesting stuff there. You could have teased dissension between the outcasts. You could have teased Britt Baker turning heel. You could have done any number of things. And instead, we just got this dead in the water like token as possible as token as it gets um women's match without even like putting the tbs championship on uh, or another women's match um frankly i think you've got a lot of uh women's workers that uh aren't up to, to snuff um in terms of you know recent performances um getting heavy tv time for that division uh you don't really have a good storyline going on. You have Britt Baker who ranges from like below average to in a certain circumstance above average as a worker, but her strength has always been her promos and she hasn't cut a real meaningful promo in God knows how long. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what this is. I don't know what this women's division is at this point in time. I don't know what the thinking is with it. Um, you know, there's all this talent out there that they have access to or that they could could have at one point got access to that they just haven't brought in. Um, like, I, you know, they could have had a shot, I think, at Deanna Perrazzo at some point. No apparent interest. They could have, you know, there was a Camille uh, who's very good for NWA. Uh, she was around for a little bit but never stuck for some reason. Um You've got uh, Heidi Howitzer and Max the Impaler doing pretty damn well as a monster tag team in Tokyo Joshi Pro. They're based out of the out of North America. Not even a sniff of them. Um, Athena is stuck in the hinterlands of Ring of Honor, um, and we're pushing like a, a green, you know, sky blue, more like sky green. Oh, um. You know, like she's not doing particularly well right now. Ruby Soho isn't uh, knocking out of the park. Um, Soraya, I, I think she's shot in the ring, frankly. Um, it's a really pessimistic time, especially for the women's division in AEW. Uh, Chris Jericho and Will Ospreay got billed off of like a week, um, despite having this big feel. Um, to like just the names that they are, you know, um, you, you've got Chris Jericho, who is one of the like inner circle hall of famers, no pun intended. And you've got Will Ospreay, who is, you could argue has been the best in ring performer of the past five years 
having a match and it just doesn't feel like that big of a deal. And um, I don't know, man, it, it's a very weird time in this company's history. It is a really weird time. And let's go to the women's match. Fred, all they had to do was say the first women's match in this company's canon was all in and it was a four way. Yep. So we're yep. going to honor that by doing another four way. Yeah, that's it. That's just shut up else. after that. Don't, don't have to see another damn thing. That's that's good enough right there. And yeah. you, you could still stuck even with the qualifying matches if you wanted to. Um, that would have been fine. But and that's the know. kind of stuff when we talk about Will Washington, his entire job was being brought in to just get things like that. Like, hey, we're going to do this. Well, hey, this doesn't make sense. Why are you calling it historic? No, it's not. And we're, we obviously don't know the inner workings of the room. But they basically told us that's his job. Mm-hmm. And why is this stuff still getting through the cracks? That there's, are, I think we might be at a point where there's just too many people in the room. And we know that there are too many people in the room who love WWE-style storytelling. And th- there's nothing wrong with that. You can do WWE-style storytelling with some of this stuff, but... Mm-hmm. The, the antithesis of this company is it's not WWE. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, the, that's the key part of AEW's identity is it's an alternative. You know, Tony Khan's gone out to make a big deal about how they're a challenger brand, that they're Pepsi to WWE's Coke, that they're Burger King to WWE's McDonald's. And um, and I don't know, man. It feels like we're getting – we're really flirting – you know, I know that the MGF Adam Cole thing's a special thing, so it's hard not to read too much into that. But I mean, up and down this card, like, you know, the best build, uh, I guess, are the acclaimed against House of Black, which is based around Billy Gunn returning to the ring, which isn't really like super exciting, I guess, uh, in, in a way. I mean, I like Billy Gunn well enough, don't get me wrong, but you know, he's Billy Gunn, he's the you know, whatever he is now. And the other one that really got a good build and has since been blown up is that Darby and Sting against Swerve and now Christian Cage. It's just so frustrating, Fred. We had this company that was finally delivering a type of pro wrestling that American fans had wanted in America for such a long time. And it just feels like it's being taken away from us. And that we're, as we're going to get in a lot more about the booking and talking about it in terms of what this card is because oh my gosh this card is just wonky and it's probably going to be really good but it's wonky let's continue with some of this other news because we're going to dive a lot more into this we may be getting edge in AEW Um, WWE reportedly declined to match what it would take to sign him which I I think it was reported it was around 3 million a year Uh, I I may be wrong on that but for some reason that that number is coming to me um, I didn't see a number, so listen, listen. All I gotta say is Edge uh, reportedly has never met his father, and Christian Cage is in this company. They're best friends. That like we're gonna get some kind of Edge and Christian stuff, and you know what? The the Hardy nostalgia didn't work for mm-hmm. multiple reasons. This still could because working. they're both they're both still good in the ring. 
Yeah, Edge just had a pretty good match with Sheamus on uh, SmackDown last week. That was a nice little farewell to him. I went four stars on that flat. Um, That's I enjoyed really it good for a SmackDown TV match. Yeah, they gave it a lot of time too. Like WWE really did uh, do him a solid there, make him look good, and have him go over Sheamus and uh, have him put on a good match. I mean, I, I think Sheamus was better in the match probably, but I mean, Edge looked good despite you know. He, 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 I think he's finally figured out like the, the facial hair thing. So, like, it's not like ripped body of a 28 year old, head of a 60 year old kind of thing, you know, because he looks older in the face than he actually is a little bit. And then he's got the, the super jacked look. It, it was odd early on. Um, but I don't know. You know, I'm a little hesitant about Edge coming in just because I don't think he's been really a super success on his return in WWE. But he has some juice left. I mean, it's definitely a better option than you know, the Hardys right now, uh, as, or a year ago, <laughs> as an example. Um, yeah. So it's kind of odd, but you know, the dude is, uh, I think he's so talented and hopefully if he's put in the right spot, he can put on a really good storyline and, you know, maybe partnering or, you know, opposing him from Christian with his current gimmick would work, but we'll see, you know, there's a lot going on. It could just be that he doesn't want to go anywhere. He could, this could all be, uh, you know, just it could be like Randy Orton who used AEW a couple years ago for leverage against WWE to get money. We'll see. Listen, I don't. I'd be all for a Edge and Christian nostalgia run because I think, especially with how great, just tremendously great Christian has been in this company, I think that they'd be fine. As you can hear, Eclair panting because Odie just will not leave her alone. Uh, it's. It's something that I think they could be done really well. And Tony Khan has done so with Malachi Black. Really filtered out the worst instincts. And House of Black, like, yeah, Malachi still gets to do his lore stuff. But it's not over the top. And then once again, the ring, no frills, no bullshit. And I think that's awesome. Um, We're... We could be sitting on a really good run from these two, and I think that's exciting. Yeah, it, it could be a really interesting thing, and uh, I look forward to seeing what possibly comes from it. Um, I mean, Christian's just been on fire uh, as far as the act right now. Like, you could tell me that you think this is the best run of his career, and like, I can't really say you're crazy because he's cutting these great promos every time he's given a chance. Yeah, hundred percent. It just it a great scumbag. Oh yeah. I wouldn't shock me if it's at Wembley. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a possibility. Although there, he did Adam, you know Adam Copeland did say that he is not available or that his contract runs through next month. Who knows if that's the truth? It's wrestling; everyone lies. But mm-hmm. you know that is out there. So yeah. Well, why would you? Why would you have your going away match an out month and a half before your contract runs out? Mm-hmm. That that's weird. yeah, a little weird. Um, that probably honestly, if he debuts, it's 100% just a ploy to um, keep the surprise on because the second you think you know me hits in this in the stadium, that's just going to be the place can go bonkers, yeah. And like we grew up on Edge, like that Edge Cena feud over the course of like 06 to 09 was awesome stuff, and like there was parts of it that just stunk i mean it's wwe there's parts of a lot of it that stink <laughs> yeah. i remember really enjoying it in real time um, yeah 
Moving forward, a couple contract things. The boys have re-signed with AWROH, and it's Dalton Castle's boys. Um, I love that gimmick. I think that gimmick. It's such a great shtick, man. Uh, can we talk, just talk about Dalton Castle and how much he rules? Um, Dalton Castle's great, man. Uh, I know he's not quite the worker he once was, though. It does seem like he's actually like really recovered physically from uh, some serious issues he was having, and thank God for that. But he's just such a great personality that, like, I can't believe he's not featured on TV every single week. You know, it's he's really good at being a professional wrestler. He's just a complete maniac. Um, you know, he kind of reminds me. Of, it's kind of like uh, Juice Robinson. You know, these guys that. Uh, just haven't figured out about how to be these larger than life uh, characters, and uh, and for some reason that's not what WWE wants these days, despite it being good. And um, you know, them just making it bigger outside of that system. Uh, but you know, his Dalton Castle's entrance on uh, Collision last week was just like fantastic. You know, absolutely perfect. Um, if you want, I, I seriously think that Dalton Castle is is custom built for like these sixty or ninety second packages that can get a guy over, and uh, you just give him that much time, you know, every week for four weeks, and I think by the fifth week he'd be a star. Give me more Dalton Castle. I remember yeah. watching him when he first came into Ring of Honor, and I'm like, ooh, this dude is good. He like yeah. just the charisma oozes from him. And I mean, he's a flamboyant peacock character. Yeah, like, literally. You got to have charisma to pull that kind of thing off. It's, yeah, it it's it's of a similar ilk, and not on the same level, but it's a similar ilk to Hiroshi Tanahashi, where Tanahashi is just like, come on, the the guy is just intentionally trying to be like flamboyant and mm-hmm. over the top, and he strums an air guitar, but it yeah. doesn't matter. Because he's Hiroshi Tanahashi. It's the stuff that sounds like it's stupid as hell on paper, and then you actually it watch it happen, it works, like, perfectly. That's kind of the same bit with Dalton Castle. It's he's... kind of the secret of pro wrestling, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, it's, fi- it's fascinating to watch, and I really enjoy it. And I can't wait to see how Dalton Castle might be getting used even more so. Yeah. Later on in this run, but man, I'm excited that the boys have resigned because the boys are a very good part of that gimmick. They oh yeah, he needs the boys. He needs the the Tate twins, and uh, I'm glad they're sticking around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Brock Anderson's contract. We just talked about Brock Anderson last week. Yeah, um, his bad his match. His contract is up at the end of the year. Um, that comes from his dad, Arn. That that to me says like uh, coming out like that he's probably not getting re-signed, and it would honestly do him well to go to indies for a couple years. Oh God, he needs to leave. <laughs> um, you know what? Send him to all Japan. So, yeah, I mean all Japan or Noah. I mean Noah's got a really weird mix of uh, non-Japanese workers right now. Um, that you know I, I brought you know why not add Brock Anderson. But the thing with him is, like, I just haven't seen any progress from him whatsoever, really, since day one. Like, that collision match, he didn't look like he's really improved as a worker. He doesn't have any presence. It's like, you know, the joke I always make about Arn Anderson is he he looks like your friend's dad that's a shift worker at the docks, and you accidentally woke him up, 
and he's pissed as hell coming out of his bedroom at you know two in the afternoon because he was going to sleep till four, you know, and you know wearing a wife beater with all his chest hair sticking out, and, and like obviously the, the difference with Arn Anderson is he's got that charisma and the mind for the business and the ability to work and everything. And that's why Arn Anderson's a great and all time great. And Maybe uh, Brock just needs a Glock. Uh. Glock Anderson is a hell of a character change. Um, but yeah, Brock is like Arn Anderson without any of those things that made Arn Anderson Arn Anderson. He just looks like Arn Anderson and uh, doesn't pop off the screen. He doesn't seem to have any promo ability, though they haven't really let him try. So I guess I can't really conclusively say that. But in the ring, he's just like a, a jaggy jag, you know? And it's it's unfortunate because he's got the look of Arn. Yeah, it's and, like Arn two but then you know it's it's like one of those Boston Dynamics robots that you like. They were going to have it walk across the room, and then it just you know, limbs flail everywhere and stuff. It doesn't work right. Yeah. Last thing, Darby Allen said that there will never be a bidding war for him as he is quote AEW for life unquote. Good for him for being loyal, but dude, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna hinder any kind of money coming your way long term. Oh, oh, well, um, the other company's talking to me, dude. You told me you're never leaving. What? Yeah, I'm not gonna up my offer. Like, I'm not. No, gonna he could he could always help. tell Tony I was just trying to be face the crowd, you know. Um, but yeah, I can't really envision Darby ever leaving. Um, I, I do hope he, you know, has a long career. Sometimes you worry about that with him with those crazy bumps he'll take. Um, yeah. But he is, uh, he's damn good. Yeah, he, he really is damn good. And I'm really excited to see him. This is, I, I just love Darby. Darby he's is, he's great. He, he is, man. He's going to die at 40. But, and I, I'm not saying that as a joke. Like, dude is just, crazy at the kind of bumps he takes and it's it's honestly wild but let's uh we're gonna have to transition because fred i don't know if you know this we have the biggest wrestling show of all time this weekend in all in and we have another rendition of the heat check yeah, so if you haven't uh, heard one of our Heat Check episodes before, what we do is we run through the card, and uh, we just, on a 1 to 10 scale, we talk about how excited we are for the match, uh, with 10 being, you know, as excited as possible, and 1 being, I'd rather watch paint dry. Um, so we've got the whole um, whole card pulled up. We do have a slight spoiler, I think, from uh, either Collision or Rampage that is going to be reflected in this card early on, so... If that's a concern for you, uh, turn it off, uh, pause the show, and come back and listen to our wonderful audio. Um, but yeah, you ready to go, man? Yeah, man. Let's go. All right. Let me get this pulled up. Uh, now, we'll start with uh, with the spoiler. So, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, Hook is challenging Jack Perry for the FTW Championship on the pre-show Zero Hour. 
Uh, fortunately, we have apparently a two-match pre-show, so that's promising. Hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll grow to three or even four so that we don't have those awful talking head segments that are completely useless um, to me as a viewer. Maybe it drives business. I can't... If, if you're someone... <laughs> If you're someone that watches it, watches a zero hour and is like, you know, yeah, I remember when there was like a near five star Eddie Kingston uh, match on here with Tomohiro Ishii. But what really makes me buy pay-per-views is uh, is watching RJ City and Renee Young, just, you know, kayfabe discuss matches. Um, Who's Renee Young? I'm sorry, Renee Paquette. My apologies to uh, the the... Good Paquette family. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's just crazy to me that that works, but I've gone on that rant before. Um, Hook versus Jack Perry. Where are you at on this? I don't know. It re- It's kind of annoying that it's a last-second zero-hour edition because, uh, and obviously, you know, because you, you chose to come back and listen. The idea here is that Perry was going to retire the FTW title, and obviously Hook is defending the honor of his dad because his dad created the FTW title. So I'm probably at five. I, I think this could have been a little better built, at least give any kind of build other than just doing it literally the day before. Obviously, uh. the collision was recorded three days ago uh, when it or three days before it will air. But yeah. I don't know. I it could have been done so much better, and I think that's just that just has me annoyed. So I'm at a five. I do like that it's on the pre-show though, because the pre-show needs some juice. Yeah, I, I mean they've been doing this angle for a few weeks now, you know, with Hook and Jack Perry about the FTW Championship. I thought the heel turn win was great for Jack Perry. I thought it was exactly what he needed. I think what he's been doing since then has been, you know, trending upwards, but not like elite level. You know, it's been like good, you know, like him running away from Hook was pretty entertaining for a couple of weeks. And then his promos since then have been kind of like baby's first heel promo. It's like Christian Cage, but without the the verve and the ability to deliver it perfectly uh, is the comparison I'd make. But I'd go higher. I'd go like, a, you know, this is at least a six and possibly a seven. Uh, they had a very good match the first time, too. And I think it'll be good this time around. Yeah, it, it, I don't. I think it will be good. I just think my interest level is a lot less just because of how they built it. Sure, but I, that's probably just a personal thing. Uh, it, look, it, it is a personal thing. That's the whole point of this. That's a. It's a really good pre-show match. Yeah, it is. I think. All right, what do we got next? We got next Aussie Open against uh, Better Than You, Baby. Adam Cole and MJF challenging Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship on the pre-show. Where are you at on this? Ten. Full ten. Nice. I'm at a ten. Look, as dumb as some of these segments with MJF and Adam, excuse me, Cole have been, I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen with these guys. Yeah. I'm yeah. So like I. Some of these pre-tapes, like, I've been really down on because they've been dumb as hell, frankly. Uh, I didn't really think they were funny. But the in-ring stuff and uh, the sit-down promos from this past Dynamite from these guys uh, have been fantastic. Like, absolute home runs. Um, MJF's been doing a great job, and Adam Cole has been hanging with them. They found themselves a really unique storyline 
that I think is working perfectly. The crowd loves it. They're eating it up. Um, these guys are so over right now. And it's really intriguing as to what exactly will happen with this match and, you know, the, the whole double baby face, face aspect of it. And um, I've really enjoyed it, uh, frankly, uh, you know, other than the parts I didn't enjoy, <laughs> um, which is the stupidest analysis ever. Uh, but, like, you know, the stuff that's worked has, like, worked really well. Um, as we have a dog emergency up in Minnesota. Um, she just peed on the grog. Oh, boy. Well, you go handle that, and I'll uh, I'll go off on this some. Um, I'll just lay out what I think are scenarios here for uh, for this match as uh, we handle a dog urine issue. Uh, so basically, you know, they could double baby face this and keep the you know keep whatever the real big draw is for the actual pay per view. Um, with the idea being that you have to pay to see the real resolution of this. But I have convinced myself that the money actually is in doing the big angle on this that sets up whatever happens on the proper um, show. So, you know, we got ourselves, you know, both guys have teased at various points turning on the other, and then they've been friends. You know, they've, they've hugged it out and uh, declared that they're best friends, you know, forever. And, um, you know, the big question of the storyline is who's going to turn on who. I 100% believe, and will believe until I'm dead in the ground and buried, that the, the, the money here is going to be having one of them turn on the other on the pre-show to give that juice to the, the pay-per-view and convince people that you have to pay to see what happens next. Um, I think that is 100% the smartest thing you can do here. And frankly, I also think that it's booking malpractice if you're going to have uh, Adam Cole come out of this as the babyface and MGF as the heel. Uh, you, This is a situation where you've got MGF poised per- completely uniquely to be the biggest babyface in the company and arguably the biggest babyface in the industry right now. Um, by having him be turned on and having him lose the title, I think, later that night, and uh, and be the baby face that has been wronged and is coming back for what is rightfully his. Uh, I think that's the money. I think that's the, the 100% what you have to do with this angle. Um, I think there's entirely too much connection with the crowd as far as MGF doing the I'm your scumbag thing. Um, and uh, I think if you pull the trigger and make him turn heel on the fans again... Uh, in this circumstance, I think you're going to kill any possibility of a big face turn down the road. This is the circumstance where you have to pull it, pull the trigger and make MJF the baby face. You have to do the turn. And I think the way to do it is to have Adam Cole turn on him in this match or even before the match takes place. You know, you could you could set it up for the match and just have it be entirely an angle where no match takes place. Adam Cole immediately turns on him, the kingdom, and Roderick Strong come out and help him beat down MJF to set up Adam Cole's eventual title win later that night. And, uh, you know, but you could still go ahead with the match and uh, just have Adam Cole turn at the right time in the match. But that's what you've got to do. You've got to have Adam Cole as the heel in the storyline. And um, it's the only thing that works, I think. Because not only does it work for the storyline itself, but like Roderick Strong, 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 uh, Roddy Strong, uh, if he if he is not part of a, a plan here, to stab MJF in the back, that he just looks like the biggest geek that has ever existed. Um, and, you know, I think you have to do it. I think you have to have babyface MJF. 
So I'm also at a 10 for this match. Oh, you have to babyface MJF. But I think what you do here is you tease something. You don't go full bore, as I can hear Fred opening a can of beer during the Tie Dr. Pepper. It's a little early. (laughs) It's never, dude, I had 9 a.m. beers yesterday at the Minnesota State Fair. It's never too early to have a good one. Um, It's too early to have like six good ones. But so I think you have to continue the tease. And then I think what you do is you have the kingdom um, help Adam Cole win it. And Adam Cole reforms the kingdom at the end of the show. And you get a baby fest MJF chasing. And I think that's that's probably the best route here. I think like MJF's been a great champion. He's been champion for almost a year because he won it at full gear. And I think you can give the title to Adam Cole and you establish the kingdom. And then you know what you can do? You can have like a program down the line with the kingdom versus the elite because obviously with the super click that with Cole and the Bucks, then then you've got some more programs built in. And then Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, uh, potentially for the title. There's a lot to go with. And I think that's the best route. But who knows what they'll do? If there's They've done such a great job with misdirection and trying to figure out and – tell us hey we're gonna do this oh no we're gonna do this nobody knows and that Mm -hmm. that's what makes pro wrestling great nobody knows yeah the intrigue yes the intrigue is fantastic now let's let's get to the main card fred what do you have first uh i've got i'm just working straight off wikipedia here uh they have first the young bucks against ftr and look, this match is going well. I, I'll allow you to give your rating first. Uh, one to ten, uh, or zero to ten. I forget now which we give, we do because I'm a very good podcaster. Uh, where are you at on this one? Um, the build has been spotty, but the match is going to deliver. I'm at a nine. I yeah. Look, they wanted to hold off on the this feud because of the no fans. When FTR came in under unfortunate circumstances during the midst of the pandemic, but. Their first match was very good. The second match was way too long. This match, they're going to get X amount of time in front of the biggest crowd in the history of professional wrestling to date. And it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, the build's I'm kind of been stinky, though. It's but been a it, shitty I don't build. Care. Bucks, Bucks versus FTR doesn't need a build. Hey, I want to yeah. fight you. We're one and one. I want to prove we're better. There's your build. Yeah, I just wish that like they had done, you know, a little more to build this so that it really felt special. But you're right in that you don't need to do anything really special for this to be a great match. Um, I, I think that if you'd put some juice on it, it would have helped, of course. But, you know, where we are, we're going to end up getting with, you know, I mean, like if this is a four star match for on my scale, which is different from others, I, I'm one of the easier graders on the voices, you know, family. Um but like for me, a four star match is like, hey, this is this is the lower end of great, and uh, you need it's like getting to the point where you should definitely check it out. Uh, with these two, if it's a four star match, you're like, man, that was a disappointment. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. So you know, as good as these four guys are, you know, it's going to be, I think, an uh, opportunity for a really special match that could steal the show, that could end up in the year end uh, voting. You know, uh, this atmosphere is going to be insane. You know, we haven't really talked about that, but it, it, I can't even imagine, you know, what the circumstances are going to be 
for this show what it's going to be like to be in the stadium of you know one of if not the largest wrestling crowd ever um and uh yeah i mean it's, it's gonna be bonkers um i'm looking forward to this yeah. uh, i'm going to drop a i'll drop a 10 for the match but once i factor in the bill it's like i'm probably down to an eight frankly but yeah you don't need a build for this. And they did a build, which I, I'm You don't need a big build for this. You need a little build. They just you know? stunk with the build that they did. Yeah. And it wasn't much of a build. I I will continue to argue that, but yeah. I think the, the go home promo just stunk. It was nothing special. I'm not gonna say it stunk, but I'm gonna say it was disappointing. Disappointing, I think, is the best term. All right, what's yeah. next? Uh, next up is the legendary uh, four-way women's match with the long history of it in AEW. Uh, but it's uh, Britt Baker, DMD, against Soraya, against Tony Storm, against the champion Hikaru Shida. I'm at a seven here. Really? Uh, it, let me explain. I want to see what Soraya is in this match. That has me really intrigued. She has not been good in AEW. She's had no, one. She hasn't. Good, she's had one good match, and I, I think it was the match with Britt Baker. Baker kind of carried her a little bit, but that ended up being a pretty good match. Not great, not special, not worth what you're paying her, but it was good. She's gonna have her working boots on. She's gonna bust her ass wrestling in in Wembley Stadium in her home country. I think this match could really be a surprise on the show because you have two tremendous workers in Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida. You have a pretty good one who's inconsistent in Britt Baker, and you have Soraya who has like 15 years of experience. She's worked well before. Can she pull out the match of her life here? If there was a time for her to do it, it's now. And that's yes. why I'm really intrigued. Is that's a good argument. 85,000 plus fans in her home country where she's probably wrestled on a big stage a handful of times. She's going to be all, all in for this match. And I don't, I don't, that's, that's a good pun, but it's not what I'm trying to say. She's yeah. going to be ready to roll and she's going to bust her ass in this match. And I'm excited for it. Uh, that's a convincing argument that I completely disagree with. Uh, I'm going to three <laughs> on this. Because I mean, this you know we are I already talked about it, but the build for this has been shit. Um, and I, I hope you're right about Soraya. I, I hope she does step up and that she delivers like a great performance. But I don't think she's got it just off of what she's done so far. Um, she is not. She's she's rough in the ring. I mean, she barely works any. Um, which I mean, not that she really needs the reps to improve. I think she is what she is, but I, I'm just not like a big Soraya wrestler fan. Now I think she's found herself a good spot with the Outcast nonsense, um, and I think it might be prudent to have the Outcast turn on Tony Storm and cost her the championship. The downside of that is that means that we get Soraya Women's World Champion, which I'm not super excited about, uh, but. You know, I would love for them to salvage something out of this. I think it's a, I think they're going to go in motivated. Um, and so they could surprise me, and I hope they do. Uh, but just off of what we've been given so far, this is a three. 
I, I, I don't blame anybody for not being excited about this match. I'm just very intrigued about Soraya and her home country, and that's going to carry it for me. Yeah. Um, next up, we have the tag coffin match, uh, which I honestly just hope is just a Yokozuna size coffin um, to put both the guys in at the same time. Uh, Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland against Darby Allen and Sting. Uh, where are you at on this one? I'm at about a six or a seven. Uh, I don't like the idea of a tag team coffin match, but whatever. You're going to get Sting in front of 85,000 people at Wembley. Yeah. And Christian Cage. And how about this for Darby and Swerve? That's good for them. Like Sting's wrestled at Starcades and WrestleManias and Bound for Glories. He's wrestling from some huge crowds. And so, like, so is Christian. Yeah, and but Darby and Swerve have never wrestled in front of something like this, and I'm very happy for them. This could end up being really good. Christian Cage is going to have his working boots on. He'll have to. So is Sting, and Darby's going to take some stupid bump that oh, looks God. like he should be dead, and he's going to get up just fine because his name is Darby Allen. Yeah. This this is going to end up being a train wreck in all the best ways, and I can't wait. Yeah, the uh, the problem with this is I remember what happened to Shawn Michaels that caused his first retirement. Um, so I, you know, I, I just thinking about that. I just worry about uh, Darby. I, did you give a number? You did give a number on this, right? Six or seven. Yeah, six or seven. Uh, I'm I'm at an eight on this because I think it could be a great match. And uh, even if you know, even if they are Fox nonsense, uh, which there's still going to be a lot of questions about moving forward. Um, I think that, um, you know, I, I think it's going to deliver. Um, I uh, I think Christian is not a downgrade as a worker uh, from A.R. Fox, but, like, just maybe less well-fitting for this style of match, which you probably want to see just crazy shit after crazy shit. And at Christian's age and after all his body's been through, that's probably not his strongest point, but... You know, I, I think he can step it up and also deliver in this match. So, um, but yeah, I'm going to drop a seven. I think I'm going to settle on a seven here. And uh, I think this will be fun. Baseball fans, are you excited for the upcoming season? I know I am. It is time to gear up and show your team spirit with MLB Shop, the official online store of Major League Baseball. Find the latest jerseys, hats, apparel, and collectibles for all 30 MLB teams at MLB Shop. Represent your favorite players, your hometown team, or relive classic moments with exclusive throwback gear. Gear up for the season at MLB Shop. Whether you're cheering from the stands or watching at home, show your love for the game with official MLB merchandise. Make sure you use our exclusive link, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash MLB Shop to help support the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Again, that's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash MLB Shop. You'll pay the exact same price, the exact same items. Everything is exactly the same about your shopping experience, but a small percentage of every sale comes back to us. So again, it's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash MLB Shop, the official online store of Major League Baseball. Fun is good, and I like I, this is probably going to end up being the semi-main because almost every Darby Allen match feels like it ends up being the semi-main of the pay-per-view. Yeah, uh, especially when they, Sting's involved too. Yeah, so Darby CM Punk was the semi-main of All Out 2021. Darby 
was the semi-main Forbidden Door with Sting. It it just seems to be a tradition. And cool. What's next, Fred? Uh, What's next is a lot of gold. The Golden Elite, uh, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Adam Page... I uh, wonder if have we actually had these three just as a trio before? I don't know offhand, and I probably should have looked that up before the show. Um, I don't think so because when Omega and Ibushi got back together in New Japan, Adam Page was on the other side because they had the yeah. wrestling Dantaku. It was um, the Bucks, Cody versus Ibushi, and Page versus Kenny. Yeah, then uh, the back to back nights, and they kind of positioned Page away from that. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they have ever been a trio together before now could they have been an roh i i still doubt it because of the same so. constructs that i just gave and page but, wasn't a big push to act at that point either he was still developing no he started getting the push be, uh in the g1 of 2018 yeah they had him beat minoru suzuki that was a really big deal he finished with eight points and a four and five record which for his spot in the company that was pretty that was good. good that was a good push yeah uh but they're facing uh kanosuke Takeshita. Juice Robinson and JY, the latter representing, uh, latter two representing Bullet Club Gold. Where are you on this match? One to ten. Eight. Um, Eight. This should be just Omega to catch their singles. Yeah, they're probably saving. The, uh, they're probably saving something like that for Chicago. I imagine. That's my no, guess. Screw Chicago. Like, <laughs> I really think that they should have done everything they could to get a really big singles match out of a guy like Omega on this show. Now, the trios match is going to be very good, and AEW is a trios company, but I think that they didn't do enough to really give this crowd a true, great, like, special singles match. Now, we'll talk about Jericho and Osprey here in a little bit, but I think it was a mistake. I don't know if it's going to end up mattering, but I still think they should have really made an effort to do so. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh... It's tough, man. <laughs> it's it's not easy. Um, but I think they have to build some stuff off this show for All Out. Otherwise, they're not going to have any build, basically, for that show, for the most part. So I think this is the trade-off. that you, You're losing out on a singles match in this circumstance to get a few more guys on the show and so that you can set something up for the next pay-per-view that is, like, immediately afterwards. So, And that's exactly what this is. That doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I, it would be more intriguing to me if it was otherwise, you know, different. But, I mean, you know, sacrifices must be made. So, uh, I'm going to go, I'll check in at a, a nine on this. I'm really looking forward to this, even if the build on it has not been particularly great. Uh, but I think this is a start and not an end. So, that'll work for me. Next yeah. up is... Five-on-five action in the Stadium Stampede. You've got Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, and Pinta El Cerro Miedo against the Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Claudio Castanoli, and Wheeler Yuta, as well as the hired guns Ortiz and Mike Santana. Mike Santana? I think he's he's going by Mike Santana, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. I, I, I I think they mentioned that just once on commentary, yeah. Okay, um, I'm at a 10 for this. Anytime yeah. AEW does these type of just insane brawls, they nail it. Uh, production. I will caveat don't... that. I will caveat that once because the second Stadium Stampede match with the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle, I think it was, yeah. that stunk. That was not good. 
Ooh, I disagree. It was different. I like that they ended it in the ring because it was the first match back with fans. But I, I thought that was good. It wasn't as good as the first one. But Oh, no. Nowhere close. But I'll say this. that They've had a lot of production issues lately. And they did have some production issues with Anarchy in the arena uh, the, first, the second go-around back in May. Yeah. They have normally been really freaking good at producing these types of matches. I like the cohesiveness here of why Santana and Ortiz are teaming with the Blackpool Combat Club. One, Moxley has said, you have to bleed with us to be with us. Santana Ortiz did. Mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston was on the Blackpool Combat Club side. They have beef with Eddie Kingston. Bada bing, bada boom. And Eddie Kingston still obviously has beef with the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah. And they're not uh, members of the inner circle anymore. And you have the Ortiz Eddie Kingston storyline that's been going on on and off throughout the company for the last year. I think this works out well. I don't think they're hired guns. I think they're going to be full fledged members. That that's my take on it. But even so, this is really good. I think this has huge opportunity here to be to steal the show and it's going to take a lot of really good production from AEW, but man, they got a real shot here. Yeah. I, I hope they uh, succeed. I hope it works. We will see. Um, there's always a little risk with the style of match, especially in this setting. Um, I, one presumes that it's going to be live rather than a pre-tape deal, um, in part at least. Um, I guess we'll see on that. They could do some pre-tape segments uh, like they did with the Inner Circle one I mentioned earlier. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm curious about how this goes. And uh, yeah, I'll check in at a, at a nine on this, I think. Uh, I, I Even though it's been a little stutter step just because of Eddie going off to the G1, I think they did a good job writing him off of the TV for that. And, um, you know, the whole Eddie Kingston, John Moxley thing is like one of the best long-term stories they have going on in the company. So I like that. Uh, next up is Chris Jericho against Will Ospreay. Where are you 10. at? 10.511. I, I can't wait. Okay. I, I seriously can't wait. Will Ospreay is the best wrestler in the world. I could make a real argument he's the best wrestler of all time. And... That's going to sound like sacrilege to some people. Like He's got it in the ring. He's had it in the ring for a decade. And every year he gets better and better and better. He had two matches this year that I called the best match of all time. And that would, I still think uh, Osprey, Jericho, or Osprey Omega 2 is better than Osprey Omega 1. Even with the Don Callis shit. Whatever. But... He's so good, and he's figuring it out with his promos, too. He's all-encompassing, and you're going against an all-time great in Chris Jericho. This is going to be phenomenal. Why is it going to be phenomenal here, Fred? Jericho is a mind for the business, and Jericho is going to figure it out how to work with this guy, and Osprey's going to as well. They're going to have a plan. They're going to know what to do. That considering Jericho's limitations. This is going to be great. And I would be shocked 
if this doesn't at least hit four and a quarter, four and a half. Yeah. This could be a five-star match. That's the ceiling here. And Jericho does have some issues as far as with his working style. He's, he's just, his body doesn't have it anymore the way it used to. But they're both so smart, and they're, they both understand how to work. They're going to be able to work around those limitations. And I think that is why I'm so, so excited about it. That uh, Jericho-Eddie Kingston match, I think you, I, I think that was one I saw live at full gear. Where that was Kingston, awesome. Thing Kingston finally got the win. Yeah. Like, just, uh, that's all you have to do. Osprey can do his flippy do stuff. Jericho can do his big high spots. Osprey ends up getting the win in, in front of the Wembley crowd. And you can build it with story. You can build a cohesive match in the ring. We couldn't have said that about Will Ospreay five years ago, where we could trust him to put together a really cohesive story in the middle of a match because he did a, it. He was still mainly a spot fest kind of guy. Now he's a complete worker, mm-hmm. and I am very excited. Are there better matches you could book than Chris Jericho? Yeah, of course. Are there any that are going to have this kind of cachet? that are going to be, like, have, like, a reverence. This is a, this is a match for Will Ospreay that's, like, a dream match for him. Because, like, our formative years were Chris Jericho. Yeah. Like, Ospreay is a couple years younger than I am. We grew up watching Jericho. This is going to be really, really good. And you know Ospreay's going to do everything he can for this guy. Hell, he took multiple Destinos on his own against Naito to make sure he got over in that G1 semifinal. Imagine what Osprey would do for Chris Jericho. Yeah. Um, I mean, for sure. It was... Um, he's going to do everything he can to uh, just make sure that works and that it's a success. And... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's you know if he's able to accomplish it, and it's not like uh, Jericho is completely shot. He's he's not what he once was. Obviously, he's up there in age, um, but he um, could really be able to be lifted, not carried, but lifted to a very special match. And I, you know, I think they really did a great job of heating this up, unlike the Young Bucks FTR match with their promo segment on this past Dynamite. I thought they did a great job uh, working that angle and uh, giving both guys uh, motivation to uh, to get um, to do what they need to. And uh, I'm pretty excited at this point. So I'm going to be conservative just because there's a little, you know, a um, little bit of a potential for some disappointments because I'm still a little scared from the Adam Cole Chris Jericho match uh, a few months ago that just was terrible. Um, but I'm going to go a nine on this, um, and I hope it's a success. Chris Jericho's having going to have his working boots on in a big way too because it's Wembley, yeah, and. I, I the promo it got some mixed reviews as far as the presentation of Will Osprey, which I, I think I have a better understanding now because I think the uh, some of the European uh, people in the wrestling scene were really down on the appearance of Will Osprey, and I, I noticed that a lot of the American fans weren't, and I think it's a cultural disconnect between like because like 
like British culture versus American culture. I don't think anybody else really thought much about the appearance of Will Ospreay. But yeah. then it was described to me by uh, a friend of the show and um, voice of wrestling. So own Joey O'Doherty said it, look, it, it's like an over the top cartoonish thing. And mm-hmm. Americans love that kind of stuff. But to like people from Europe, it's like, it, it, it's viewed differently. And yeah. I think that's, I get that. I understand it now. I didn't, I didn't initially because I'm just like, Oh, Osprey is just, uh, he's, he's got his own kit, which I thought was a nice touch. And it felt like he was trying to just get bruv over like American fans love to chant something. And mm-hmm. sure that's going to be their thing now. And yeah, you can view it kind of how you want. And, um, I, I thought the promo hit well, the why behind these two wanting to do the match. And it, it got me real excited. Like I love the Osprey calling out Jericho because I think this is an important thing. Jericho's going to play Judas with Fozzie yeah. at Wembley to come out. And <laughs> Osprey's like, you're only doing this match so you can, you can claim that Fozzie played Wembley. Like just great stuff. Great stuff. Reality-based promos are the best. And this match is going to be tremendous. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Osprey did a fantastic job. Did he Did he use bruv a few too many times? Yeah, sure. If But if that's like your big complaint, I mean, he, he had basically this one segment to get over a character. And obviously the character they're going with here is Loudmouth uh, Brit. That's an asshole. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to get that done is to go full chaff. Um, even us, idiotic Americans, are aware of what that means uh, to some extent. And it was just shorthand in that case. I don't think you got to worry about him wearing, you know, going full like soccer hooligan and uh, for the rest of his AEW career or anything. Um, but... You know, if you've got to, you know, it's kind of how wrestling works. If you've got to get your stuff over, um, you know, you got to dumb it down a little bit, just at least initially. And uh, there it is, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited for this, and I think it should, will hopefully rock. Uh, Osprey is so good at this point, I'd be astonished if this was anything short of excellent. Yeah, it's it's going to be fantastic, and I can't wait. How many more matches uh, do we have? Like three? We got three, baby. Uh, so we'll just power through here. Samoa Joe against the air quotes real world champion, CM Punk. Where are you at on this? Man, I'm at a five. They, I think they really blew this, the importance of this match with the CM Punk win in the Owen Hart oh, tournament. And you took this out frankly, of my mouth, man. I hate CM Punk. <laughs> I'm so sick of him. I'm sick of his bullshit. I'm sick of him like running people away from the arena. I'm sick of him being him. And I, I'm at a point where I understand from a business perspective, it's a net positive. It's great. From a from an enjoyment standpoint, I'm completely out. I'm just I'm over CM Punk. It is. Um... It's a shame because uh, he's still a very good performer, more so in the uh, talking portion than the wrestling portion. He can still do some good wrestling, but you know, obviously, those days are his best days are behind him at this point. Um, 
this, you know, I, I uh, you, you saw the words out of my mouth with regards to the booking of the Owen. Uh, it made no sense to me to have him beat, you know, they, they do this big build about how CM Punk's never beat him and he gets his first win with a small package in a, uh, like, what was it, 12-minute TV match? You know, that just didn't make, that didn't fit the story to me. It should have been a big match like this and it should have meant more. And instead it was just like, oh, he won the semifinals. Cool. Good for him. See you next week. It's like, all mm-hmm. right, cool. Great. Um, I, I'm not, I, I can separate CM Punk, the performer from CM Punk, the human being still. Um, there was a, I, I'm glad he went away after brawl out just to have that break. Um, otherwise I might be singing a different tune. Uh, but I'm still, you know, I hope this is good, but I'm pessimistic, especially after the, uh, granted, it was just one move and one angle, but the GTS that CM Punk did on Joe last Saturday was atrocious. It looked like crap. Um, and, you know, Punk's never been exactly the cleanest worker, but even by his standards, that was rough. And uh, I don't know, right now I'm sitting at a six. Um, it just feels like a real odd build and uh i don't know you know samoa joe was not having great matches regularly anymore and cm punk's not having great matches regularly anymore i mean he's been in some but he's been teaming with like ftr you know who are obviously very good workers right now um fantastic even uh so yeah you're gonna get some credit for being in six-man tags where you're teaming with ftr but like i could probably team with ftr if it's worked right uh, we we could have at least a three and a half star match, you know, because that's how good FTR is. I think the match is going to be good. I just don't care. And Punk being Punk has honestly made me not care. And it's it's a shame because I was I was really into his return. It came earlier. Sorry, it was. It would have been this Saturday was the one year anniversary of Punk's return. What uh, a year! Last Saturday and. <laughs> I was actually at my my wedding reception. So I forgot yeah. this. Yeah. So no, it was two years, a uh, two year anniversary. So yeah, Sunday, two years uh, go on Sunday, and so I got married during the pandemic, and we had a dinner for everybody who came because we only were able to have so many people, and then we had a big one a year later. So was that the big one? And I'm sitting on my phone because they the TV in I, the lobby of I, the reception area didn't have TB yet or TNT. Sorry so, to interrupt, but I think you mean the Big Bill one. <laughs> the Big Bill one. I love it. Um, no, that's very good. Uh, so I'm sitting on a on my phone watching with uh, with my buddy, and my wife comes out. It's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, CM Punk's back. Like, just all excited. She's like, what? Pro wrestling, just let me enjoy this. Whatever. <laughs> and her couple of friends like he's watching pro wrestling, and and she's like, it's it has to be something big. Other, he's not stupid. Like, it, it, but it was our second one, so I like I kind of got away with it. Yeah, but, a little oh, easier. Man. I I think I wa- I got home and I had it recorded. I think I watched the, um, I watched it like six times because it was just such a special moment in pro wrestling. And now I can't stand him. I I don't I don't want to watch him anymore. Yeah, that's... it's it's incredibly frustrating. 
Yeah, it, it stinks, man. It's it's a bummer. Um, but this is the life we live now. Do you? I, I do want to ask you. Do you think you'd be so bothered by it if you didn't have to do a podcast every week and talk about it and like cover every aspect of the nonsense? I think I'd be less annoyed by it, but I'm. I'd still be annoyed by it. Like, dude, Punk. You can tell he's out to business for himself. Like, it's it's just annoying. I'm 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 just over it. Fair enough. Fair enough. We got two matches left. Uh, House of Black with their World Trios Championship against Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed. Where are you at? One to ten. All right, Claire just peed on the floor. We um yeah, look, Eclair's six and she's a rescue dog. She basically spent her entire life in a yeah. kennel. So she doesn't understand. We're trying, but yeah, long stretches trying. like this get a little tough. So I'm at about a seven. I think this could be a really good match. I it sounds like they're gonna get um the the ass man gimmick for Billy Gunn, and that's kind of cool. I think this is the best told story right now in AEW, which really tells you a lot about where the company is. It's going to be a good match. The acclaimed have been become really good in-ring workers. House of Black rocks as a trio. They're great. This could end up being really good. And yeah. like this is like a perfect match in the mid-card where you just throw them out there and be like, hey, you got 15 minutes. Go have fun. That's what I think this is. Yeah, I, I'm at a I'm at a six on this. I mean, it's not going to be a great match, but it could be a fun one. And uh, really, that's all I'm hoping for on this one. So, you know, hopefully we'll get some good, fun stuff out of it. And our main event, Adam Cole against MJF for the AEW World Championship. One to ten. Where are you, Tyler? We talked about it earlier. I'm at like a 14. Yeah. This is the intrigue here on what's going to happen is everything and their first match was great this has a chance to be like i'm not gonna say an all-timer but an all-timer in aew canon like this is this could really change the direction of this company if they nail this it could like we had the really nice article and i can't remember who wrote it for voices of wrestling it was um uh, but uh, like this isn't the AW I, I signed up for. This isn't the AW that I loved watching. Like, is this the is this the end for me? The, there are people like that out there, and this could really solidify them leaving or them staying because okay, they nailed this. There's still hope. This is still the AEW that I remember, even if it's got a, some of the extra bullshit. If they blow it at Wembley, it's going to be a stain on this company. And it could really hurt them long term. Yeah. If Shane Silver, me, by the way. Yeah, it was a great article too. Nice work, Shane. It's not a detriment. It's it's gonna be like I'm trying to think. Kevin Nash beating Goldberg for the title at Starcade. You didn't see it right away. Because 98, business was really good. 99, business started to really t- downturn. And 2000, it crashed. I think you're you're looking at it could be tasing Goldberg at Starcade level if they blow this. Yeah. 
and it could be the beginning of the downturn of this company. Like th- there's always a moment where you can be like, oh, it goes up. During the Monday Night War, it was Tony Schiavone saying that Mick Foley's going to win the world title. That'll put the butts in the seats. Everybody flipped. They saw Mick Foley win the world title. It was a great moment. That was kind of the turning point for WWF. And this could be a turning point for AEW if they either crush it or blow it. And to me, that intrigue is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, they they really do have the possibility of just completely owning themselves. Um, Fingers crossed that they don't, um, obviously. But it's such a big... uh, such a big moment in the company's history, and frankly, I think for the first real big, uh, big moment in um, in the history of AW, it feels like that there's not really a guarantee that they're going to blow it, and I think that's really interesting. Um, it, it maybe you know they may fail, and uh, if that's the case, you know. Uh, you know, that's going to hurt them, I think. Um, yeah, so, but hope, fingers crossed. And, uh, hope, you know, I think this match is definitely going to lean heavy on the storytelling. And uh, I think that's going to give it some uh, variability in terms of just how good it's going to be. Uh, because I think AW, the Grand Slam, you know, the, no, no pun intended, but the home runs in terms of match quality and the Grand Slams are... Uh, are the ones that are just, hey, we're doing a match. Uh, and there's some story with it, sure. But, you know, really, we're just trying to have the best match we can. And um, I think where the risk comes in um, is uh, is if, the, you know, this goes kind of like Adam Cole, Chris Jericho, where the work just isn't up to it and it's too much story and uh, it doesn't work. So... Yeah, we'll see. I think it's very intriguing and not necessarily in the best way. But. This this could be the turning point of the company, whether good or bad. And mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see what happens here. And we have All Out, which we have a couple matches announced for. Darby Allen um, is going to challenge Luchasaurus for the TNT title. And Will Hobbs versus Miro. That could be excellent. Yeah, that could be really fun. Yeah, and but that's the that's, that's the card the and that's the show. Really, I think. Anything else you want to talk about from this past week? No, my dogs are are like the Frenchy version of purring at me, and they're they just they just want dad. So we're gonna go all, right. all out. Sounds the like biggest play. wrestling show in the history of all time. This Sunday, if you're ordering outside the United States, voiceofwrestling.com slash fight to help us get a little bit of a kickback. We would greatly appreciate it. And you will not want to miss it. Red circle. And yes. What about red circle? Uh, we got a red circle, right? That they can click on and then give us money if they want to. Yes. it's It's been in the show notes for a few weeks. Uh, and click it. Do a, and do a capitalism yeah. for me. Yeah, we, we are... We are venture capitalists trying to make a little bit of money on the side. And anything that you believe that we have earned is 100% greatly appreciated. That is in the show notes as well as Fred's um, Patreon and my 
Viking-centric YouTube channel, Vikings First in School. Go ahead and subscribe to both of those. And you can find me on Twitter, The Real Forner. You can find us both on Blue Sky. And ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the greatest wrestling show of all time. Take At least care. the biggest. Hopefully it is the greatest, but we'll see. Take care, everyone. Have a good one. Music. It's not just part of our daily lives. It's part of our wrestling fandom as well. And it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in. Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. Hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.